Hello there, it's me, Matt. I am back at it, back in the saddle, as they say. And uh, I promised my last show I would do a kind of catch-up series of reviews where I talk about movies that came out earlier in the month. But I decided to opt against that, mainly because a lot of the movies I was going to talk about, I felt like I was already going to discuss in my uh, Midway Point uh, podcast that I'll be doing, where I'm talking about kind of the best and worst movies I've seen so far this year. So I'm opting against those catch-up podcasts and doing a straightforward show. It's going to be a little shorter because I'm going to have another show come out later this, either later this weekend or like Monday or Tuesday where I'm going to talk about the new releases that came out uh, this particular weekend. But <clears throat> this show will be focused on releases from the, the last two weeks. Uh, we have the Mel Gibson-led actioneer Force of Nature, uh, the Rod Lurie-directed war film The Outpost, and we have one of oh, um, the Haizuko Korida-directed uh, film The Truth. Uh, will be my three films I'm going to talk about today. And I, just before I start, I want to do a quick little thing about my rating system because I, I realized when I was like looking through my last podcast, you know, I do the, the one through 10 thing, but it's, you know, what does a six out of 10 really mean compared to a five out of 10? Like stuff like that, I just wanted to break down. So for me, a movie from six and above is a movie I would recommend you see in the theater or in this case, pay to see on VOD. It's something that is, you, you should check out, deserves your money. Obviously, I mean, if I were to compare it into like a movie sense, like something like a six out of 10 would be like maybe a matinee type movie, maybe rent it for cheaper. Whereas something like that's like an eight or nine. It's like, no matter the price, like check it out. Like, you know, get to it. Uh, and then a five out of 10 is like kind of this middle ground where it's a movie, where it's a movie, where it's a movie, the movie where it's watch it, but watch it as like a, uh, on streaming or on TV. Like it's, it's a movie that's not necessarily bad, but it just doesn't really achieve its obje objective to the fullest extent. And then anything under a five out of 10, uh, I would not recommend seeing. So that's basically the, the lowdown on that. I'm going to get a quick drink of water. Okay, so we're going to start today with The Outpost. This film, uh, as I mentioned, was directed by Rod Lurie, who's had has had a really interesting career. He started as a uh, film critic in the in the 90s and then uh, transitioned to directing some some pretty decently received movies. Uh, Nothing but the truth was like a, a political film that gained a lot of attention. Uh, resurrecting the champ uh, Samuel Jackson boxing film. He's directed a lot of movies that have had pretty decent reception, but nothing like that exemplary. And his last movie uh, was 2011's Straw Dogs, which was a remake of the the classic uh, Peck and Paw 70s film. So he hasn't directed a movie for nearly a decade, and he's back with this film, which is a true story or based on a true story of the Battle of Kemdesh, which is the bloodiest uh, American engagement of the Afghan war in 2009. Uh, the film follows a small unit of U.S. soldiers alone in this combat uh, outpost called Keating, which is located deep in the valley of these mountains. So from a, a military perspective, being at the bottom of a hill is like the worst possible thing that uh, you can have. 
apologize for the quick restart there. I uh, was getting a phone call, as you could hear in the background, the the classic iPhone ring. But back to the outpost. Uh, so this is a, a modern war film, as I was uh, mentioning. And, you know, there's been a lot of great war films about kind of the period, World War II, Vietnam, etc. But I think modern war films have been a lot uh, more scarce in quality. I mean, you have something like The Hurt Locker, which is an exceptional film. But a lot of other ones have been just kind of very blindly uh, patriotic. Stuff like 12 Strong, the, the horse soldier movie with Chris Hemsworth, and uh, Act of Valor, which rested all of its laurels on the gimmick of real-life soldiers playing the characters. Uh, but this film, thankfully, uh, and I think it, it was kind of going under the radar uh, before it came out, but it, it thankfully is actually really good, and I think uh, a lot better than I think any trailer would let on or you know any marketing materials because I, I really – and part of the big surprise of it is director Rod Lurie. I mean he's – obviously made some decent movies but this feels like his by far his best craftsmanship the most kind of uh invested he's been in making a movie and i i was reading a lot about interviews he was doing uh about the film and talking about how his deceased son i think he died at like 28 of of some condition but how that his death really connected him to the soldiers in a really emotional way and you could really feel that that kind of connection and that 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 just the duty he he puts on himself to to really do justice uh to his titular subjects uh i really give the movie a lot of credit for not delving right into explosive action the, the first hour or so is, is honestly pretty pretty slow but not not in a bad way but it just it really takes its time to kind of depict the day-to-day -day doldrums of soldier life uh whether that be you know doing a quick check around the outpost a quick scouting trip or you know trying to negotiate with the locals and seeing how uh you can kind of create a, a good relationship for both sides and, and that's honestly one of the aspects of the movie i liked the most uh there were these scenes where you have the local people of chemdesh or Keating in Afghanistan, uh, who are, you know, obviously are distrustful of, of these so big American soldiers coming in and stomping through their land. And then at the same time, the Americans are distrustful about whether these people are working with the Taliban or if their intentions are genuine. So it it's this really interesting balancing act of these two sides with an inherent distrust for the other and in the midst of conflict, trying to kind of find a common ground. Like I, I really, I think war movies don't have that enough. It's like the good guys and the bad guys. Like this, it had more of a middle ground, and it didn't generalize people as much. And I, I really liked seeing that in a war movie. It, it felt honestly pretty refreshing. And and just the general, the first hour. I mean, some of the, some of it can can kind of lag in pace at times. But I think it's really important that uh, Lurie allows us to kind of live with these soldiers and experience kind of their day-to-day -day realities in an interesting way. Uh, Paul Tamasey and Eric Johnson wrote the script, and I believe uh, it's based on a book written by Jake Tapper. So it really captures that kind of uh, realism and just kind of procedural 
day to day duties that they went through. Uh, and the performances here are honestly really strong too. I mean, you have, you have some big names like Scott Eastwood and Orlando Bloom and, and they're good, but I would give a lot of praise to Caleb Landry Jones, who most people would know as kind of, he's like a character actor who's always playing this kind of schmarmy, a lot of times a pretty unlikable kind of guy. If you'd notice him from get out, he plays like the, the brother of Allison Williams character. And I think he was an American mate too. He's, he's been in a lot of different stuff, but this is the first movie I think that's allowed him to really uh, display his full range of ability as an actor. He's really great in this and he's very emotive and he, he's this kind of very green kind of soldier trying to prove himself, but he's, he's kind of overly green and he's kind of rubs people the wrong way, but he really uh, shows a great range of expression here. And especially in the second half, which I'm about to get to, but he has some really powerful scenes and uh, I give him a lot of credit. And honestly, I, I know the Oscars are the last thing to think about, but if I was going to give out, an Oscar. Uh, I think Caleb Landry Jones deserves some nomination attention for best supporting actor. Maybe he was honestly that good. It was very, a very powerful performance. Uh, but like I mentioned, the first hour is very, you know, methodical building. And, and I, I think that methodical approach really helps in building a sense of tension. Cause you have these very kind of small skirmishes, uh, buried throughout where it's like a, a quick little Taliban attack, like a just a little fights where you get a sense of the, the danger. And then once the hour mark hits, the battle starts and it's this fury of conflict, this blaze of explosions. It's, it's so kinetic and not in a glorifying way. Like I, I give Rod Lurie a lot of credit for crafting the, the action and it's such a visceral impactful way without making it, titillating or, or like entertaining you're you're horrified the whole time watching it and it's tense taunt filmmaking at its very best uh i he really deploys a great range of tracking shots where you're, you're following the soldiers kind of running through you know a sea of explosions and bullets uh and the kind of the shaky cam where you get capture the sense of movement all these like techniques i think really actually enhance uh, the scenes rather than kind of making it feel overly stylish in a, in a way that just doesn't work. So the, the, the literally the last, I think like 45 minutes of this movie is just all out carnage and it is, it's breathless, but in, in the best possible way. And it really, um, allows, I think this whole movie, but also the, does this but the second half especially it really allows you to live in these soldiers shoes and experience kind of the horrors of of their day-to-day -day lives and i i think a lot of war movies try to have a a, a certain sentiment about them where you know you get an emotional response in, in support for them but i think this is one of the few movies that is able to do that without saying something or having this big speech you know it, it just displays the heroism of of the subjects you know it, it doesn't need to say oh these guys are doing great it's it's so it's so effective at displaying this kind of boots on the ground uh just daily sacrifices that these people go through not only you know on the battlefield but also in their day-to-day -day lives where you know they're seeing their family very seldomly you know they they're missing their loved ones it's it's really well done and i really am, uh, admired how grounded uh, this film was depicted for Lori. Uh, there's a couple 
you know, hindrances that, that kind of hold the movie back. Uh, technically, it is a little rough around the edges, uh, especially in kind of the editing. There's a lot of clunky scene transitions where the scenes just kind of end. And, you know, they don't really – some scenes, especially in the first hour, just don't really flow from one to the next. They, they kind of feel a bit uh, isolated and, you know, detached from each other. Uh, and I, I think there's also a, a really a big overuse in text. Like every – 30 minutes or anytime there's a new captain, it would be a, a text captain blank. It's like, it's just so spelled out. And I get, you want people to know the characters and, you know, the environments and the geography of everything, but it, it just felt over-reliant on that. It, it, it became like a crutch and it was a crutch that I don't think was even technically that well uh, assembled, but this is a very good kind of grounded meat and potatoes filmmaking uh, war film. Like it really does a great job at displaying the horrors of its central subject and, you know, creating a very sympathetic portrait of, of, you know, not only the soldiers, but also the Afghan Afghani people living in such kind of dire straits. Uh, so I, I really like this film. And I think, it's a lot better than, like I said earlier, than any marketing would really lead you to believe. So I'm going to give The Outpost a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, pretty pretty big recommendation. So definitely check it out. It is on VOD uh, along with any other kind of video on demand platform you got. So on to our next film, another action film, but this is not like The Outpost this is not a dramatic action film. This is a genre B action movie in every sense of the word, and that's Force of Nature. So this is kind of like the cousin of Hurricane Heist in a way, where you have, uh, I'll get to the story, a gang of thieves are playing a heist during a hurricane and encountering trouble when a disgraced cop tries to force everyone in the building to evacuate. So it's kind of this perfect storm pun not intended uh, of uh circumstances where all these the this cop played by emil hirsch uh collides with these thieves led by uh, david zayas or david yeah it's david zayas and uh mel gibson plays a a grizzled vet living in the uh the the apartment he does trying to be evacuated and he kind of joins Emil Hirsch. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, an action movie, uh, you know, very silly and also very bad <laughs> just to get right into it. Uh, I really wanted to, I mean, it's really tough assessing this movie because right from the gate, there's a lot of problematic things like Emil Hirsch. I don't know if you've read about it, but you know, the, his incident at Sundance where he choked an executive, uh, to the point where they're unconscious and this movie, he's betraying a cop with, you know, a, a history of a kind of abusive behavior and violence. And, you know, that's kind of like, uh, at a, a little queasy. And then you have Mel Gibson playing this kind of chauvinist old grizzled guy who is, you know, and, and just kind of playing like, he's just kind of playing Mel Gibson, honestly, in a way. And it's just like, Ah, with everything with Mel Gibson, it, it's it's hard to really like connect with him on screen still because he just see. Yeah, it's hard to not see what he has done in real life, and it's same with Emil Hirsch, especially in these roles. Uh, and then also, it'd be one thing if this was just a, a dumb hurricane movie and everything, but this movie is bizarrely set in Puerto Rico, which is still in the midst of recovering from a hurricane. 
I think it was Hurricane Maria, I believe, back in 2017, 2018. I'm going to double-check that real quick. Uh, Yep, Hurricane Maria. So to set it in Puerto Rico and have this, like, dumb genre movie in, in, like, in this very real, like, steeped in a very real tragedy, it just feels so, like, out of touch and just... I don't know, in very poor taste, to be honest. So from from the jump, there's so many things about this movie where it's just like, ah, uh, like you just kind of look at the poster and you kind of get the, you know, a, a nauseating feeling. But I, I will give the movie a little credit. It, it does have some moments of kind of goofy genre fun. There, there's some very goofy elements in this movie that I, I didn't like. And a lot of that came from the supporting cast. Uh, William Callette, uh, he he probably is one of the best performances of the movie, or has one of the best performances. He plays this uh, tenant in the building named Griffin, and his whole like plot uh, or setup is he's housing this mysterious <laughs> mysterious creature in his room that he's like has to get like pounds and pounds of meat for. So the the whole movie there's. I mean, not only do you have this ridiculous hurricane going on and this battle between thieves and police, but you have this guy with this fucking mysterious animal just in the lurks. So there's there's a lot of definitely uh, – I think this movie definitely was very self-aware about what it was. It's very much a, like a kind of goofy genre film. Uh, and I think there is some kind of cheeky moments of B-movie fun that do resonate. And it, it, is, it is self-aware and being a kind of short – 90 minutes full throttle experience where you know it it delivers the action and thrills it's trying to in uh give audiences in a very kind of quick package so i i at least am happy it didn't drag itself out or you know aspire to have these more dramatic aspirations but at the same time the filmmaking is just not good either i mean aside from the emile hirsch mel gibson aspects uh michael polish uh the different i honestly I've, i wrote my review about this movie and i just found it so funny his name is michael polish when his movie is just so unpolished and not well made because it, there, it, there's a lot of herky jerky camera work uh the digital kind of uh, effects here and the kind of the color grade are very ugly to look at it, there's almost this like amateurish usage of like l- shaky actual hurricane footage kind of spliced in between uh scenes to kind of like transition and it's so obviously like like real footage it's just so goofy that they're using kind of like archive footage uh there's just a lot of really questionable decisions with the direction here and i just don't think the movie can ever really it doesn't really offer anything that unique or fun to kind of overcome it's kind of problematic tendencies and it's not only in the cast i mean the the script you have these very kind of cliched archetype characters these very kind of you know, I'd say generic and almost problematic ideas where it's the, the white savior cop who's coming to save the day. And you have the damsel in distress. You have Kate Bosworth, who is the the wife of director Michael Polish. I mean, that's the only reason she'd be in something like this, you know, is that connection, I feel like, because she's so underserved here with such a lackluster role. And it, it just it feels very steeped and very dated uh, conventions. Like, there, there's nothing about the movie that feels very fresh or interesting. And like, I'm one of the few people who liked Hurricane Heist. I can get down with a stupid movie like this. Like if it's dumb, but self-aware and delivers the goods and has some good filmmaking and some creative set pieces, 
you, you won me over. Like I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a cynic when it comes to dumb action movies, but this just doesn't really deliver the goods. Uh, I guess it could have been worse. Like it's not horrendous, but it's just not good. So I'm going to give force of nature a four out of 10. Uh, don't watch it. Yeah. You know, there's better movies out. There's better things to do. I don't know why I watched it to be honest. If it makes you feel any better, I watched it for free. I didn't give Mel Gibson my money. So, you know, there's that. Uh, and then our last movie for today, we have The Truth. Uh, I, I'm going to play the, the pronunciation of this director because I don't want to fucking flub it again. That was Corey. I know it's uh, directed by Hirokatsu Koreda. Hirokatsu Koreda. Okay, there we go. Uh, Hirokatsu Koreda, if you don't know his work, he's the director, writer of this film. He's directed a lot of uh, Japanese films, a lot of great Japanese films. The only one I saw was Shoplifters, which came, back, came out back in 2018 and won the uh, Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. And that was a, a fantastic film. And this is his first english french film it's kind of a mixture of both uh we follow um, let me pull up the the synopsis but you have a, a pretty star-studded cast here we got uh juliette binoche ethan hawk and uh french stalwart uh catherine deneuve uh so a really great cast uh first off so and apparently uh Corriere, uh but all three of these actors were the people he envisioned to fit this role. So you've got his dream cast to kind of uh, bring his vision to life. But on to the synopsis. Uh, the film follows a stormy reunion between screenwriter Lumiere, uh, played by Binoche, with her famous mother and actors, played by Deneuve, uh, Fabian, against the backdrop of Fabian's autobiographical book and her la latest role in a sci-fi picture as a mother who never grows old. Uh, so it's a, a pretty grounded, uh, portrait of kind of mother daughter disconnect and more so just about family and how challenging those bonds can be and how oftentimes how strained those bonds can be in, in coming to a certain middle ground and a, and a sense of connection. And for that, it, it is really good. And it's honestly a very, one of the things I have to give Coretta a lot of credit for is it's a very pleasant movie. Like he handles and weaves in the, the kind of dramatic elements of this movie in a very, you know, seamless way without making them too showy or too, uh, you know, over the top, there's a certain gentleness. I, I really, you know, that really kind of whisks the audience into the material uh, while still kind of delving into some interesting kind of dramatic implications. Uh, really the, the standout of this movie is the, the performances. Uh, Catherine Deneuve, uh, she really steals the show and, and sinks her teeth into the role of Fabian. She's this kind of aged diva you know is obsessed with the craft of of acting that that she's lived her whole life doing but uh i mean she has a lot of fun being this kind of biting you know diva presence where everyone she's just kind of like you know has no patience with and just kind of boss them around but i think part of what makes Deneuve's performance so accomplished is she doesn't let the character just become this like deluded thespian. She is able to sympathetically portray the actress's kind of ego-driven obsession with her craft and kind of the sense of regret uh, that she has with that. Like he, there's moments where you can kind of peel uh, the veneer off her image and, and see kind of 
you know, some of the emptiness and, and emotion uh, behind the character. And I think Deneuve does a great job of kind of balancing the showiness of the performance with the kind of insular kind of character moments. I, I really think it, it really is one of the better performances this year. Uh, and then you have Juliette Binoche. I mean, the consummate professional Julian Binoche, one of the best actresses working in the industry. She's great in this. And I really love the interplay between her and Deneuve where you, you really feel that kind of disconnect, this kind of, it's really this, like this, a lot of effort they have to put into to find a kind of find this middle ground. Like, I think the family, I think Coretta does a great job of, of depicting kind of familiar, familial detachment with, with a lot of uh, reality. Like it's not these melodramatic diatribes where they're like, Oh, why weren't you a good mother? Blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's these very kind of small finite moments of, of these characters kind of, revealing their feelings and i i really like that i really like how kind of i don't want to say quaint but just how kind of subdued and kind of grounded the movie was and i think he really brings a delicacy to his subjects and allows them to be vulnerable without kind of oversimplifying kind of who they are like all the characters here or, or the main characters here really do seem to have a good amount of complexion to their personas and then you also have ethan hawk i mean um when it comes to ethan hawk i'm a huge fan every ethan hawk movie i pretty much see because he really attaches himself to a lot of great projects a lot of you know he's one of the few actors with with a lot of uh, acclaim and the recognition who will who will do kind of smaller movies and and take risks with stuff and he's a lot of fun here and he, it's it's not a performance where he's asked to do a lot but he is funny in the movie because he's this he's this english actor going to france with his wife played by banoche and he's just kind of in the state of being clueless with everything going on he's you know, not pertinent to the dynamic between his his wife and her mother. He doesn't know the language, so it's kind of the, it's this really kind of funny, like affable performance from Hawk, who's kind of trying to fake his way through the situation while kind of being a supportive barrier for Lumiere. So the, the performances definitely ring true uh, for me. There, there's a certain the movie does feel kind of slight, like I. I do think the dramatic impl implications of the movie, they're, they're very pleasant and they, they have impact, but I don't think they're as, you know, grand or kind of well-rounded as some other movies, especially movies like this that are about kind of aging actors or actresses confronting their kind of personal demons. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny that Binoche, played this role the the kind of the Deneuve type role in uh clouds of sils maria the uh olivia Saz movie with uh, kristen stewart so it's definitely not the first movie to kind of handle this this dynamic and i i kind of just wish there was a bit more dramatic impact in the movie not that i needed a big like i said i like that the movie doesn't have these big speeches or anything but maybe if it was just a little longer or even if it i think Part of my issue is the reliance on this kind of uh, subplot I mentioned with the synopsis where it's uh, Fabian is doing this film where it's about her as a mother and she can't, you know, can't age and it's stuff like that. And it, it feels so on the nose with how it kind of connects to her dynamic with her own daughter. And I, I just I really wish those segments in the movie were either cut down or injected with a bit more 
kind of nuance. Like it, it, they just are so matter of the fact, and they're just kind of too pronounced to really have that much impact. And I, I also think there's some subplots in this movie that, that feel pretty unexplored. There's moments uh, that hint at Lumiere and uh, Ethan Hawke's character, Hank, their uh, relationship struggles. And, you know, there, there's just some side elements of the movie. I think that could have used more rendering. I wouldn't have mind if this movie just focused on staying in the house, focusing on the autobiography that Fabian had made and it was just very close quarters in that sense, where it really let the characters just breathe together the whole time. Because the, the the subplot with the acting thing, which I, does take up a good amount of the screen time, it just wasn't – I don't think it registered with the impact that uh, Coretta expected it to. But I really appreciate this movie for being pretty low-key and very pleasant, like I said earlier. And it does offer – it might not be the deepest ruminations on kind of family bonds, but it, it has a lot of great moments and the performances are really great. So I give the truth a six and a half out of 10. Definitely recommend watching it. Uh, I'm, and I'm on the lower end than a lot of people. I think it, it has like an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people have really been digging it. So if you're a fan of art house movies, you know, something a little more low key and uh, down to earth, I think this is a really good fit. And I'm honestly sad that more people aren't talking about it because it, it came out last week with without much fanfare. So hopefully people look into it and check it out. But those are the, the three movies I wanted to discuss today. I know this is kind of a short podcast, but I just wanted to put this one in here, not only to, to kind of catch you guys up to what I'm planning on doing in the, the coming weeks, but also just to put out some content. And like I mentioned with my last podcast, continue to get those reps and, uh, you know, shake off some of the rust from not recording in, a, in a, close to over a year. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed uh, me talking about these three films. They're, they're pretty small scale movies that I think you know, deserve, I, I mean, not force of nature, but Outpost and The Truth, I think they deserve to be more in the conversation right now, especially with there not being a lot out. So I hope you're encouraged to check them out. Uh, my next show, which will be, as I mentioned, either Sunday or Monday, I'm thinking of reviewing the the old the old guard, uh, the Charlie Theron uh, Netflix film, Palm Springs, the Andy Samberg Hulu movie, the Tom Hanks Apple Plus film, Greyhound, and First Cow, which is the A24, um, Kelly Ryan, uh, Reinhardt, I, th- I, I forget how to pronounce her name. But uh, that, that film came out earlier in March, but finally got released on VOD uh, this weekend. So it'll be a pretty packed show, definitely a, a longer one. And after that, I think... The end of July doesn't have a lot of movies, so I think I'm going to work in my best of, worst of, and you know, act, some acting awards for the first half of the year uh, somewhere within the next couple of weeks, too. So thank you for listening. Uh, you can check out my work at Battle Royale with Cheese and ScreenGeek.net if you want to get like a written review or any, for any of these films. And yeah, have a great day. Thanks for listening, as always. Oh, 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 oh,